Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, and all those in between. You are listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. What's going on today? Well, number one, my delts, my shoulders are just howling. Been working out hard, but that's not really important. I mean, it's important to me, but not really to you. We are fresh off of last night's debate with 10 Democratic candidates. A lot of people are saying Julian Castro, the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, had a great night. And I think he did have a good night if I'm just looking at it as a political strategist. But he did say one thing that struck me as odd, and maybe it's my own ignorance. I'm I'm starting to really experience that feeling as, as you get older, you're not keeping up with the times and the latest trends. But I do want to go back to my sore delts, my sore shoulders. It's because I've been doing some great workouts over at Express Fitness 24-7. I'm going to the Zelda Road location, met up with Alex this morning, and got some great workouts in. And you can be doing these sort of high-intensity workouts, bodybuilding-style workouts. They have all the equipment to pull these sorts of things off. Or if you're just looking to maintain or be a little bit active, they have all the equipment you need. Cardio machines, uh, cable weight machines, free weights, power racks, everything you need to accomplish your fitness goals. I really do it because it's a great way to ground myself and start the day. It gives me a goal to set every day and each week and over the months upcoming and then I can piece by piece, step by step, day by day accomplish that goal. And that's what it's done for me. And I love that because of my wonky schedule having to cover for certain hosts or maybe I have certain things I have to do during the day the 24-7 in the name Express Fitness 24-7 allows me 24-7 access now that I am a member of Express Fitness. And though I'm going to the Zelda Road location, you can check out all the different locations at their website, expressfitness24.com. That's expressfitness24.com. And find what location works best for you and get an idea of what Express Fitness 24-7 is all about. So give them a try. Check them out. It's a month-to-month payment, reasonable rate. Tell them Joey from the radio sent you. So... Back to last night's debate before we get into, well, round two. 20 of these yahoos. Good God. I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. My greatest hope yesterday was that Cory Booker would fall flat on his face. And though he looked odd. I mean, have you ever looked at somebody, folks, and been like, 
your eyes are so wide that I feel like you're you've got X-ray vision, like you're not really human. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I know you're all about civil rights, Corey. I'm not talking about that. I'm for equal rights for all sorts of people. Liberty and justice for all, baby. We got to live up to that ideal. I mean, you kind of strike me as a little bit reptilian with your reactions, with your mannerisms. It's kind of like Mitt Romney struck me as robotic. You know what I'm saying, Corey? But unfortunately, Corey did not fall flat on his face. The man who fell flat on his face was Beto O'Rourke. In large part, Beto failed because of Julian Castro. And Julian did have a good night. He presented himself as a low-tier candidate, as somebody with a lot of gravitas and who knew policy, who knew how to pass laws and what he wanted, in particular on the issue of immigration. And like him or hate him, agree or disagree with what he wants to do with immigration, he does have a plan. And he has thought, thought the issues through. But there was one moment with Julian Castro last night where I was a little bit confused. I really do feel like I'm becoming an old man at the age of 30. And I'm trying to stay hip with the times, latest trends. I try to be open-minded and have an open heart to all the different types of people in this world. But sometimes these folks who are really woke and really on the vanguard and the cutting edge of where we're going with this great fight for civil rights, I, I find myself saying, what the hell did you just say? So let's give this little moment here with Julian Castro a listen. See if you catch the same thing as I did last night, folks. You, all of you on stage support a woman's right to an abortion. You all support some version of a government health care option. Would your plan cover abortion, Mr. Secretary? Uh, yes, it would. Uh, I don't believe only in reproductive uh, freedom. I believe in reproductive justice. And, and Hold on. Uh, number one, I don't know what that means. Like I said, I try to stay on the cutting edge. I try to stay young at heart. But I've heard of reproductive rights, but I haven't heard of reproductive justice. So I wonder if I search for that real quick, if we could find a quick definition for my edification and yours. Because apparently that got a heck of a cheer from the crowd there assembled. Okay. Here's the Wikipedia injury. The reproductive justice framework, and by the way, this isn't what caught me as weird, like I was out of touch. I just didn't know what, he doesn't just believe in reproductive rights, he believes in reproductive justice. So reproductive justice framework, this framework encompasses reproductive health and reproductive rights while also using an intersectional analysis to emphasize and address the social, political, and economic systematic inequalities that affect women's reproductive health and their ability to control their reproductive lives. All right. You know, I thought if you stood for reproductive rights, then you are all for... That's what it means, apparently, according to Wikipedia. That seems like um, a lot of... They're adding a lot of ornaments to the tree when you could just say I'm for people's reproductive rights and freedoms. But uh, I guess it's never that simple. Not with today's new left. But that wasn't really what caught my ear in the first place. I was more like, oh, that's a new term. It must be kind of like social justice. 
And I was about right. Something to do with intersectionality. Again, whatever the hell that means. You know, at the bottom of intersectionality, like, oh, we have all these different identities and classes. You know, at the bottom of it, what you'll find at the end of the day is individualism. That's a whole other discussion for a whole other day. No, but let's continue listening to Julian Castro here. What that means is that just because a woman, or let's also not forget Hmm. someone in the trans community, a trans female, uh, is poor, doesn't mean they shouldn't have exercised that right to choose. And so I absolutely would cover the right to have an abortion. More than that, uh, everybody in this crowd and watching at home knows that in our country today, a person's right to choose is under assault in Mm. places like Missouri, in Alabama, in Georgia. I would appoint judges to the federal bench that understand... Yeah, 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 you're going to be a a Democrat and you're fighting for that right. Donald Trump's going to promise the same thing to his conservative base. I guess we'll see who wins. Shout out to Alabama! But did you hear it, folks? I guess the idea is that... And this is a big thing on the left now. They conflate agency... And the ability to do something with justice and freedom. So if there's any sort of inequality in this world, or some people are better off than others, then there must be some injustice that caused it. Well, it couldn't just be that, you know, life is full of suffering and it's nasty, brutish, and short, and the default state of humanity is poverty. No, 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 no. The whole reason somebody's poor and not able to access whatever they want to is because of some injustice. Well, I guess life is inherently unjust then? Well, that's not really my view. I think life can be inherently tragic. But to say that every inequality and equity in this world is due to some injustice is a bit of a stretch. Bit of a stretch. But anyway, the one point that when he was talking there, and again, I try to be hip to the latest trends. I am open-minded. There's actually a guy I went to high school with who has now transitioned into presenting as a woman, identifying as a woman. And if she wanted to talk to me, I'd call the guy I used to know, she, I'd refer to as she would wish. Because, you know, it's a person. Like, as long as somebody's not, like, threatening me and saying, you must do this or you're a horrible person, I'll I'll play along, sure. Like, I might have a conversation about why did you do this? What, how did this begin? I'm interested in people's stories. But here's where I feel like maybe an old fuddy-duddy. Um... He was talking about reproductive rights and reproductive justice. And he said, let us not forget about the trans community and trans women. Now, again, this could just be my ignorance, but if you used to be a biological male, and you still are a biological male, but you've transitioned to now being a trans woman, I can understand maybe wanting access to, like, hormone therapy and other transition services. But can trans women get pregnant? Can I get pregnant? I guess I've been doing it wrong. Anyway, uh, that just struck me as a, a moment where I I pondered it for a while. I've been holding 
keeping my powder dry, holding back today, but um, just made me think for a second. Can trans women have children and get pregnant? Who knows? I'd be happy to be informed on this issue. You know me, folks. Devil may care. Live your life as you wish. Live and let live. I'm all about freedom. And I'm very understanding of all sorts of different lifestyles. But when these sort of cultural wars start mixing with our national politics, I just find myself, well, I suppose I find myself being at home at times on the right. Well, let's go to the phones. News Talk, you're on there. Who's this? Hey, Joe, it's Jim. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Pretty good. Yeah, earlier today we were talking about the thing. I, I don't think he realized what he was saying, but he said it. I've heard it three or four times now. Yeah. Reproductive rights for a transsexual woman, which is ridiculous. You know, they can have surgery and make the make their physical appearance look like a woman, but there ain't nothing in there. There's no uterus. There's no ovaries. I mean, what what a stupid thing to say. Yeah, and, and what got me was the the moderators didn't even say nothing about it. Why didn't somebody say, "Wait a minute"? Of course, they're not going to do that because they're going to offend somebody. Okay, but I mean, that, I'm, that, I'm that, looking that, at a, a report on this now. I just I just found this, and here's the quote we're talking about. He said, "And you know what that means is that just because a woman, or let's say, let's not forget someone in the trans community, a trans female." is poor doesn't mean they shouldn't have access. And this article I'm reading from Politico says, hmm, trans females need access to abortion? Biologically speaking, when would that be necessary? It turns out Castro meant the gist of his comment. He just misspoke when he said trans female, uh, said his campaign manager. Yeah, oh, yeah that's, they all, it's, always, it's always misspoke, yeah, you know, misspoke. when they get caught. It's, uh, yeah. uh, it's just... Uh, it's it's weird, and you know what, Joe? Here's the thing that I could, you know, I'm up with you. If somebody's like that, that's a, you know, I, yeah. I think personally myself, I think somebody that has problems identifying with with their biological sex, it's got something, you know, they probably need some help. I, I, that's just my opinion. There there is a condition like that where people have, yeah, there's some kind of underlying uh, mental condition there. That, but that's that's my opinion. But. The thing is, this group of people, these transsexuals, they're less than 1% right. of our population. Why are we making the other 99% of our country bow down to their wants? That, that's ridiculous. Why are we forming things around some a group that teeny? That, that's what I don't understand. I think... Um I, it's something I've mentioned before. There's nothing like success to really hamper a political movement. Um, and I think once the Obergefell ruling from the Supreme Court that made gay marriage legal around the nation was happened, it was a huge success for the gay rights, the LBGTQ community. And so they had to sort of find, well, what's the next thing? What's the next horizon? And so we've moved to the, the trans community. And... I, I I just become sometimes uncomfortable with this, and not in the sense of somebody being trans, but in the sense of, are we really now, to your point, going to go to the small group of the population, not necessarily deny them rights, but make them like the poster children of the next fight against all these people who oppress? It Like, my cynical side comes out, Jim. It's like, wait, are you using yeah. folks that I'm, you know, live your life how you want to live your life, yeah. but don't use them as sort of a bludgeon to call me a bigot, like, because I'm... 
I'm ignorant of it or I'm, yeah. I'm like I've never met anybody like this. It just seems like a the next thing for the left to go look at how woke and progressive we are and all of you don't know anything about it. You're just benighted bigots. It just it, I don't like that game and they've been doing yeah. it for a while. Oh yeah, you are, you can see the progression of it. It's going to go from one thing to the other. So Anyways, I, I tried to call in earlier today, but I'd already called you. But y'all were this is something else I was gonna sure. I thought about when y'all were y'all were talking about uh, uh, the the debate last night, and uh, Elizabeth Warren, you know, was on there talking about some sob story about her uh, when she was growing up, and, and then I finally figured it out. They had medicine men. See, that's what it was. It was the Indian medicine man in their family, and they weren't getting adequate help. Right, yeah, and, and I, I figured that out. I, 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 you think that could have been it? No, you know, it might be it. I mean, <laughs> gosh, I can't believe she's she's going to try to live down the whole Pocahontas thing, um, yeah. but I think it's going to come back to bite her, and it won't be just yeah. Trump bringing it up either. Yeah. Well, tonight will be very interesting. You, you're going to watch? And, yeah, I'm going to try. I'm, I've got some popcorn here and likewise stuff, and I'm going to I'm going to stomach it as long as I can, as long as I can uh, switch over and watch something on MeTV or something. But uh, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I just want to see I want to see the interaction between Bernie and Biden. That's yes. what I'm looking for. Yes, they they, they do not like each other. Oh, the completely they different really sides don't. of the Democratic oh, Party. Yeah, yeah, it's- because, yeah. yeah. Because he believes that Obama and them stole his, you know, his election. Oh, yeah, so well, he, they did. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm saying. So there, there's a lot of uh, daggers coming out of those eyes tonight. So yeah, it'll be. And maybe we'll get. Maybe we can get something like a WWE thing going on there tonight. You know, that would be awesome. Be we so could have Tyrus come, flying Tyrus. You know, from from Fox, and he can come out there and, and break it up. You know, and start yeah. swinging people around. <laughs> Uh, okay, Joe. You you have a, a wonderful evening. You too, Jim. And enjoy yourself. Bye, bye. And again, last night I did the same thing as I told you on air, and I'm going to do it again tonight. Um, I'm going to remove all sharp objects from the room, all knives, all you know, blunt edges, these sorts of things. See, it's not just the sharp objects; it's anything a little bit pointy or a little bit hard. And I'm also going to remove all the spoons from the area because you can do a lot of damage with a spoon if you're trained correctly but yes tonight 10 was not enough last night we must have the next 10 and many of them will be people that are really leading the polls last night was more like a appetizer time for the main course starring yes joseph robinette biden and bernie sanders So here's the thing. Biden will be looking to safeguard that front runner status, that vice presidential globe, baby. He has also enjoyed a healthy lead for weeks now, mostly because he is courting. I know it seems like it's not possible, but there is the majority of the Democratic Party or close to the majority of the Democratic Party is actually not as kooky as the media or Twitter would make you believe. They're kind of working class folks. I mean, there are people like Tim Ryan and Delaney last night that were making this point. It needs to be the party of the working class if we're going to beat Donald Trump, not the party of coastal elites and the media and the Twitterati. All right? And 
in that way, that's who Joe Biden has been appealing to, running off the fumes of his uh, last go-around with Barack Obama. But Bernie Sanders has inspired a lot of young people, a lot of people my age, I'll admit. And he has been running second in the polls to Biden, and he's really captured the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, though Elizabeth Warren is hot on his heels. And I do have to say this. Last night, and I'm sure we'll hear more of it tonight, the Democrats stayed away from Trump, which actually I think is a smart move. I expected them to talk about Trump more. But they really were hitting this idea of the economy's not working for everybody. And really the people to blame for you not having a good time in this country or living out the American dream in the way you had hoped is corporate America, the big corporate behemoths and Goliaths and Leviathans out there in this country that just don't give a damn about you. They only care about profit. This sort of rhetoric scares the hell out of me. Is it because I think it's the next, like, Hitler or Stalin? No. It's because I think what will happen if, say, somebody like Elizabeth Warren gets her way is she won't actually take on corporate power. Or she'll take it on to the extent that it benefits certain corporate powers over others. That when you play this game of we're going to make an incredibly strong government, a monopoly on legal violence and force and telling people what to do, then you are making corruption bought by very rich corporations much more likely. And if you're trying to take on and create all these different rules and new legal regimes that bring in the pharmaceutical companies, you know, rein them in, rein in Google, rein in Twitter, rein in Facebook, rein in all these big corporate behemoths, what you're really going to do is freeze the system. Because Facebook can eat those compliance costs. Google can eat those compliance costs. The pharmaceutical companies may like the way it is, but they'll play the game. Just like a lot of corporate health care played the game when Obamacare came around. So you'll talk a big game about fighting for the little guy and reining in the corporations and the big banks and all this stuff. But I don't think you're actually going to bring about the everyman little guy utopia you hope for. The middle class is shrinking, folks, but the big reason why? People are getting richer. Some people are getting poorer, but there's this thing called economic mobility. I care about it more than economic inequality. Like, where am I today compared to yesterday? Not where am I today compared to the guy who made it a few years ago. And I'm also realistic. I'm on talk radio in Montgomery, Alabama. It's not the biggest market in radio. It's a good, humble perch, the town I grew up in. But I don't create as much market value as, say, somebody working at Google doing coding, making two hundred grand a year. I don't make two hundred grand a year in radio for a reason. It's not the market value. And I think there's a lot to this idea that if I improve my skill set, if I take a few more risks with my life, I could maybe make a little bit more money in this profession or some other profession. But the idea is, where am I today, over the years, where am I tomorrow, and the day after, and next year, and the year after that, and a decade, 
Am I moving in the right direction? Am I moving up the economic ladder? And that, in fact, has been happening for a lot of Americans. There have definitely been some towns in parts of this country that have been devastated by the changing economy and changing technology. And yes, offshoring of jobs and the global marketplace. But generally speaking, economic mobility has been pretty good in the United States in the last few decades. And the reason the middle class is shrinking isn't just that, oh, certain middle class people are getting poorer and going to the bottom of the rung. Few people are. But more so, people are getting richer and leaving the middle class. Thus, what we call the middle class shrinks. But it means not necessarily that there's some big problem out there. And this politics of resentment, I don't really like it when Donald Trump does it. I don't like it, you know, that their stupid leaders in China and all these countries are taking advantage of the United States and blah, 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 blah. Or it's the big corporations and corporate Americas taking advantage of you. I'm tired of looking for monsters to slay. I would like a president. Trump's done this to a certain extent. Not enough, but I'm, you know, malcontented and whatever. We are denied paradise and perfection on this side of the Garden of Eden. I would like a president that simply says, well, we're in this together. But that doesn't mean we have to force ourselves into a certain cookie-cutter plan. I'm here to protect you. And by protect you, I mean your liberty. If there's an army threatening us, a military abroad coming towards us, we're going to protect you. But treating every problem under the sun as the province of the federal government is what's causing the division in this country. And allowing corporate America to reign over us because they're using that massive federal power that they can much more easily buy and navigate than the little guy. This whole message being pushed by the Democrats scares me because of that. And because of their good intentions and their bleeding hearts. I don't fault them for that. I just think they're playing a game that the little guy can't win, no matter who's their champion. That might sound defeatist, and you don't have enough courage, and you're not fighting hard enough for it. I just know what government is and how government works. It's fear, it's force. And when you have people fight over that power, whether it's thousands of little guys all over the country or it's major corporations looking to protect their bottom line and their interests. Just being realistic. The big corporation usually wins. And let's not forget that the people in power, you know, real power, goes back to that great quote in House of Cards where Frank Underwood is talking to Raymond Tusk, this big corporate behemoth. Because Raymond, you might have all the money in the world, but I have all the guns. The real power resides in the people who have all the guns and who influence the media you consume. And who, yes, extort those major corporations as well as you, the little guy, in order to maintain their power. And it happens all the time. Money does give you power. But being able to tell people what to do with impunity is where real power resides. And let's not forget it. And let's check ourselves before we wreck ourselves by thinking by giving the government more power, we will keep us safe from corruption or from something much worse. Might be well-intentioned, but, well, 
there's a certain road paved with good intentions. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, previewing tonight's debate, round two of the Democrats. It's entertaining, though, I have to say. I've been enjoying today. Plenty to talk about. Very entertaining. Got to like the theater of it. We'll be right back. Joey Clark. Welcome back, folks. This is the Joey Clark Radio Hour, but this is hour number four of hosting. I'm feeling a little ragged, but what can you do other than press on? And again, I'll be doing this for all of you, because I know you care so much. Tonight, the second, part two of the Democrats' debate. Headlined by Joseph Robinette Biden, Bernie Sanders. They'll also be joined by eight other Democrats. Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg, mayor of South Bend. He's been in some hot water these past few days after a police officer, I suppose it's important, a white police officer shot a black man in South Bend and Pete, Mayor Pete, has been feeling the heat over that, uh, well, tragic situation, even if it was justified. I'll just put it this way. I've had the opportunity of talking to some officers of the law, not exactly looking forward when they wake up in the morning to go in and shooting somebody. I think that's safe to say. If they are, they shouldn't be in law enforcement, and I think we can sniff those folks out. So Pete Buttigieg will be joining Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders on the debate stage tonight, as well as Senator Kamala Harris. Kamala? Kamala? Senator Harris of California. As well as Senator Michael Bennett of Colorado, I believe, and Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York State. Former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, the guy who went and watched a porno with his mom. U.S. Representative Eric Swalwell, one of the smarmiest people in politics today, and that's saying something. Self-help guru. Well, consider me sold right there. Self-help guru Marianne Williamson. You know, people, it's fine. Self-help can work. you got to always work on yourself. Consider where you're going. The story you tell yourself in the morning, how you fit into your family and your community at large. It's good to understand your place in the world. But anytime I hear about a self-help guru, I'm like, oh, no. What sort of crystal magic are you going to be throwing my way? I'm not holding that topaz, all right? I don't know where that's been. Like, is this some sort of, like, Gwyneth Paltrow crap of sticking it up? Anyway, as well as a guy I'm actually rooting for. And it's not because I agree with him 100%. I don't. But I like anybody that reaches out and actually talks to all sorts of Americans. So, in a way, I'm rooting for him because 
again, in the same way I was rooting for Tulsi Gabbard last night, anybody that the national press and the official established Democratic Party doesn't like, I tend to say, hmm, there's probably something here. And I've been impressed with this young man. He's an entrepreneur named Andrew Yang. Here's the thing, though. Michael Bennett, Kirsten Gillibrand, John Hickenlooper, Eric Swalwell, the self-help guru, Marianne Williamson, and Andrew Yang are all polling nationally around 1% or less. So, good luck, guys. But I hope Andrew Yang gets some time tonight. I think he would be, well, refreshing for the conversation. But everybody probably will be focusing on the exchanges between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. They'll apparently be standing next to each other. And it really could steal the limelight and the attention. On the trail, Bernie Sanders has heaped criticism on Joe Biden. Biden, who served four decades, four decades as a swamp creature in the Senate, Senator from Delaware, and, of course, was vice president for two terms. Sanders is an avowed democratic socialist, whatever that means. He's bashed the more moderate Biden over his record on trade, climate change, health care, and most recently Biden's remarks about working with segregationists. Because when somebody's making a basic point of, I even got along with folks I vehemently disagreed with, Bernie, it's always great to misconstrue, misconstrue somebody's words and argue with them in good faith as though they're some sort of racist. I think you could say a lot about Joe Biden. I don't know if the racist label is really going to stick, especially when Joe Biden is the one leading in the Democratic polls with African-Americans, in particular black women. So, you know, sometimes this just gets so adorable. But we'll see. Uh, The one thing that I took away after watching last night, folks, and why I will watch again tonight, is it feels good for at least two hours, and it's more contrived than I would like it. I I can't stand, oh, we got ten people. At most, they might get ten minutes, twelve minutes of talk time within the two hours. But it's, it's too restrained. But it is refreshing to actually see all these people the media writes about and talks about all day long actually being themselves up on stage. I like it when we remove all these barriers and fetters that keep us several degrees removed from the candidates. I think this is why Donald Trump was so successful talking directly on Twitter and doing his rallies very much in the style of a WWE wrestler. But no, it's easy to view the other side, and I am by no means a Democrat or on the left. So I can say the other side to a degree. It's easy to view the other side as evil. Now, I'm sure the Democrats, many of them, feel that way about Republicans. And certainly the President of the United States. But it's easy. And it's so easy, it comes across to me as dumb. I don't like what, say, Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden want to do with the country. I don't like it. But the more you hear people actually be themselves, it does give me some hope that maybe we can actually get things done together. That would be to the benefit of all sorts of people. Now, I'm not going to hold my breath. I know what the government's all about. The government is usually, again, fear in force. The government is usually festooned with all sorts of special interests and sweetheart deals. Most ironically, put together by populists. But when I was watching last night, I'll give you an example. 
I don't think, for instance, Senator Klobuchar of Minnesota had the best night. But as I was watching her give her closing statement, I think that came across as genuine. When I saw Tim Ryan, the congressman, Democratic congressman from Ohio, talked about the 40-year problem of the Rust Belt rusting away, I really felt where he was coming from. It's nice in these moments when I feel so cynical about politics and know that the government is inherently fear and force to see people who mean well. Now, it's usually not beautiful after the fact. You see these glimpses of humanity, but then you can be assured the more somebody is really being themselves, watch out. They're going to get chewed up and spit out. It's a terrible system they're fighting against. It's a system designed to go slowly. But you always have to watch out for reformers, especially wild-eyed, almost zealots. You know, there's an old story I was using and bringing you up to date on some of H.O. Mencken's political cynicism last night. There's a story he used to tell about his father. And the idea is this. His father set up a small business. Some little convenience store. And there was some ordinance that you needed to pay a fee every year in order to hang signage in front of your store. Make sure it was up to code. So you constantly had to get a license. Well, his father, knowing one of the local councilmen, met with him somewhere and paid him off. Here's $100. This is like the late 1800s, so that's a good bit of money. Here's $100. I hope I'm never bothered again by any sort of stupid license so I can hang a sign in front of my store. And, yeah, seems a little corrupt, a little bit of graft right there, but, yeah, it's done. Things are running smoothly. The store's running. People are buying things. I can see what the store's about because of the sign hanging up. So maybe bribing or paying off the councilman serves its purpose. But that's when story turns for the worst, at least from the businessman's perspective. A wave of reform hits this city. I believe it's Baltimore. And all these people are talking about, we're going to sweep this city clean and root out the corruption. And I guess the populace, the local populace, the voter at least, was... Well, they're ready. They were down with reform and sweeping the city clean of corruption. So these reformers, these holy rollers, get into office, and they really strap down. And this businessman who had paid off the former councilman, the councilman who lost re-election to a reformer, realizes, oh, crap. Now I'm going to have to pay these reformers in the city money every year in order to hang up my sign. I'm paying more money than I ever paid that councilman. And so even though it was on the up and up, even though it was straight and narrow, the corruption's been rooted out. His pocket is being picked more, legally, officially. So pure. I get nervous about reform because, yes, there's all sorts of things that go on under the table, behind the scenes, in the smoke-filled rooms, if you will, if that still goes on. That's wrong. It shouldn't happen. 
But there's also something to be said about a little bit of corruption, a little bit of play in the joints. Because when the government can see everything, cross every T, dot every lowercase j, then they can also control people much, much more. And they can do things that feel like it's corrupt, that feel like they're a gang of thieves writ large. Highway bandits just coming by to say, oh, look at that nice business you have there. It'd be a shame if somebody shut you down if you didn't pay us. This is why reform and wanting the government to run everything is, again, a fool's errand. Because it allows people that would do things maybe corruptly or in an underhanded way to do it officially in the sunlight. But the effect at the end of the day is, well, pretty much the same, if not worse. They can get away with a lot. Just because something is legally on the up and up doesn't mean it is morally on the up and up. Just because there are, yes, plenty of problems in society doesn't mean the government will be the ones to solve it. You know, when I heard, and I know the opioid crisis is a big thing these days, when I heard some of the Democrats talking last night saying, oh, well, of course these drug companies should be held criminally liable. I don't know if I'm right about what I thought, but this is what I thought. Whatever happened... To personal responsibility. I think that a lot when it comes to discussions over, say, drugs, whether prescription or illegal drugs, but on many other aspects of life. It's one thing to be civically minded. And to remember, we do live in a society, a community, that we need friendships and people, colleagues to work with to make this world go around. But when government and all the stupid appeals of all the reformers and do-gooders starts to replace sort of an organic, voluntary society, I really worry that we're losing something important. Virtue cannot be taught at the point of a gun. It's something I remind people on the left and people on the right point of the government is to secure the guns. Limit the aggression in society. Stop things like murder and assault, force and fraud in all its many forms. But once we go beyond stopping force and fraud and start using the force of government to solve all our suffering all our inequities and inequality in this world, then who's to stop the original bandits, the original murderers and robber barons, if you will, from using that force meant for the social good to their own ends? The whole point of freedom is to limit that power that so often throughout history has been used to exploit and keep most of humanity down. Don't fool yourself, whether you're on the right or the left, that if the right person just gets elected, whether it's Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, or Donald Trump, that, oh, 
now that the government is in the right hands, everything will just be peachy. doesn't work that way. Even if Jesus himself became president, it doesn't work that way. In fact, I believe it was Jesus himself who was warning against the corrupt reliance on law. Or really looking at the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. The whole idea of the Good Samaritan is that any well-informed Jewish person at that time would fully understand that, yes, you can keep the Sabbath, but even on the Sabbath you help somebody who is sick and hurt and in need of help. But we get so caught up on the laws. We get so caught up on who will hold the power. And it's only human nature. I get it. But there is another idea that if you limit that power that we're so quick to fight over and become corrupt over, if you say that option is off the table, and people will find another way to get things done. Sometimes it'll be a little corruption and graft here or there. We certainly know that in Alabama, don't we, folks? But often it will be people looking for ingenious ways to help themselves and help others. And they'll do it successfully. And those of us who fail will find a new thing to try at. And maybe fail again and fail again and fail again. But at least we got to try. Rise and fall on our own merits. Presidential elections really have become a national sport, haven't they? And yes, they are very entertaining. And you believe you me, I'm sitting up here, I've been talking, blathering for four hours this evening. I know all about liking the sound of my own voice and loving the theatrics of it all. Sure. But I hope we don't lose what made us American in the first place. Yes, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Liberty and justice for all. But local, strong communities based on voluntary consent infuse the spirit of a proper religion. It gives people hope and identity and a bond stronger than just who will have political power. In some ways, if you hear some people talk, the state, and I don't just mean the state of Alabama or the state of Mississippi or Texas or New York or Vermont or whatever. I mean the government in abstract, in particular the federal federal government has become, to hear some people talk, our new god. The way we organize ourselves, the way we give ourselves new hopes and new identities and new goals. And if that's the last place we're finding our identity, the way to set goals for ourselves, well, again, I think we are lacking. There are other ways to do this. So as you hear Joe Biden try to be a little bit moderate while also caring about the least of these in our society... And Bernie Sanders wanting to reform everything, root and branch. Ask yourself, what can I do to make my own life better? What can I do to make my family's life better, my friends' lives better? What am I doing to contribute? Rather than, who's going to be my champion to slay all the new monsters on the scene? 
we can't lose individual freedom in this country. It could go away quickly. There are threats all around us. And if we get too emotional and too caught up in the show, it could happen much easier than you think. And it could happen from either side much easier than you think. And if Marianne Williamson offers you a crystal therapy, I think you should also be very skeptical. You can buy it if you want. But uh, good luck with that, self-help guru, my ass. I mean, maybe she's helped people, but what type of label is that? Maybe that's a media label. I'll wait. I'll listen in tonight. I'll watch tonight, see if Marianne Williams is some sort of Wiccan, or maybe she just, you know, helps people get their lives in order and clean their room. Who knows? Who knows? But, folks, thank you for listening this evening. Thank you for listening this whole afternoon. I'll be back tomorrow. It's been a long week, but been a good week. I'll be recapping what happens tonight in Miami for this second part of the Democratic debate. But also, because it's Friday, we're going to be having a lot of fun. We're going to be having a lot of fun. Eddie Bader should be joining us. I'm going to try to get the usual crew to come in here, whether it's uh, Spotlow or Southern Wood. And going forward, we're going to be having um, some fun. I'm trying to hook up more guests to come on the program, interesting people from around the river region, but also around the, the country in this world. Um, bringing new perspectives to bear. We can't get too lost in the presidential politics. Got to stay focused on all the crazy stuff coming our way, whether it's aliens or stem cell technology or the benefit of psychedelics for, well, psychiatric care, addiction treatment. There's so much going on so quickly that it's, well, it makes your head spin. I'm learning more and more to enjoy the ride. And if Bernie or Joe or any of them, Williamson, says anything crazy, better believe I'm going to laugh and I'm going to mock him. My brother said something very wise. He wrote his own vows along with his now wife, Caroline, and he said that I'm going to always try to keep laughter in our lives because that's what, well, makes life feel good. In the tragic times, I'm going to try to be your rock, but Also, make sure the laughter is still there. That's when we need laughter the most, when times get tough and confusing and difficult. So, I hope to do my part. Though, at this point in the evening, I don't really feel that funny. I just feel, you know, freaking tired. Believe you me, remove the spoons, folks. If you're prone to violence when watching these debates, remove the spoons, along with other sharp objects. Let's just say somebody lost an eye once in my life, and I'm sorry. Thank you for listening.